Jesus said, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from the heavens and the power of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And he said, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as you see its branch become tender and begin to put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things beginning to take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man who leaves his house and goes on a journey and puts his slaves in charge, each according to his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Keep alert, therefore. Beware, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, at midnight, at cock crow, or at dawn, or else he might find you asleep when he comes suddenly. So what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. I do not believe or live anyway like Jesus is coming back anytime soon. I'm not sure if that makes me more or less faithful to say such a thing, but again, it's how I feel and how I live much more often than not. I had a favorite seminary professor who claimed to love a cloudy day because he liked to look up and watch for Jesus to show up behind the next cloud at any given moment, like our gospel reading for this morning suggests. He was, and I imagine still is, one of the smartest Bible scholars I've ever known. He was, and I imagine still is, a level-headed, rational, wise, very faithful believer, too. And I imagine he is still waiting on a cloudy day and watching for Jesus, more power to him, but I am not that guy. And I'll say more about that in a moment. I don't know how much is too much news to consume about the hostages in Israel and Gaza, but I suspect that I have seen more than my fair share in the last few weeks. I can't fathom the fear of being held captive in the dark, in those underground tunnels. I can't grasp the anxiety of the loved ones who wait and who worry and who wring their hands for the next list to be announced and for their loved ones to come home. And even more, I can't stop thinking about the kids. The infant boy who was still nursing when he was taken the four-year-old girl who finally made it home, but only to her aunts and her uncles and her siblings because her parents had been killed, and only home 
but not really home because the only home she knew had been destroyed on October 7th. But the one who gets me most is the nine-year-old little girl named Emily, whose father was told had died very early in the attacks, news for which he claimed to be grateful and relieved because he believed her fate would have been worse and her suffering would have been harder had she been still alive. But when she was returned to her dad, because she did ultimately make it out alive, Emily would or could only whisper, for fear or because of the demands of her captors over the course of her captivity, probably both, this little girl could not or would not speak in her normal voice. Her dad explained that he had to put his ear to her lips in order to hear anything that she wanted to say. And the sadness and the fear in his own voice as he described that was heartbreaking and terrifying in its own way. So I wondered what this gospel reading might sound like to one of those hostages or to their family members. In those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I wondered that because this has always sounded like bad news to me. The sun extinguished. The moon dead. The stars falling like shrapnel. The heavens trembling. But what struck me this time around in a new way is the hope that I wonder if Jesus intended by promising all of that. In those days after that suffering, I wonder if those hostages or anyone in a similarly desperate, terrifying, sufferable set of circumstances would see a kind of hope in this. Instead of the fear with which these apocalyptic passages are so often received, at least by me, in those days after that suffering. See, I realize and I need to remind myself that I've lived a pretty selfish self-centered, seemingly self-sufficient life for the most part. Most of the suffering I've experienced has been by proxy. Alongside others, prayerfully and with others, but not in the depths of the suffering and despair that I know so many others have known and that so many know even as we sit here today. Of course, the hostages in Gaza and the prisoners in Israel and the war and the desolation and the destruction and the despair connected with all of that is one thing. And there are so many other peoples and so many other places consumed by suffering, I feel like I can only watch from a distance, imagine, pray about. And I think about the devastating losses in our own community in just the last couple of weeks, too. The tragic, senseless, unnecessary, accidental death of young, beautiful lives full of so much potential and promise. 
like Lindsay Locker and Evan Neumeister and what their families and friends suffer still. And I think about others we know and who we've loved who've suffered long illnesses, surgeries and medical treatments, mental decline, physical difficulty, chronic pain, and the husbands and the wives and the families who've loved and suffered and continue to love and suffer with them through all of that. And don't get me wrong, this is not a contest. Our suffering is relative and we don't need to minimize our own hardship or our own struggle because it's not as bad as or because it doesn't measure up to what others endure. The hope Jesus offers here is for all of us because the truth is we all suffer in some way or we will all suffer in some way at some point and that truth just becomes clearer the more time we spend on the planet and the more we pay attention. Whatever the case, Jesus' words today are meant to be a promise, not a threat. And I hope you hear them that way for a change if you never have before, especially if you're in the throes of some kind of suffering or grief or struggle at the moment. Because listen carefully and remember, Jesus says, in those days after the suffering, I think it means something better is on the way. It means there's an after to whatever suffering plagues you and surrounds all of us. And I think that's also why Jesus says, beware. Keep alert, stay awake, go about your business, live your life. Because you never know when God's hope will show up in your midst and you do not want to miss it. Yes, it might be this apocalyptic second coming sort of stuff where the clouds part and the thunder rolls and Jesus walks out from behind a cloud like some superhero in a Marvel comic book surrounded by angels. But in the meantime, it might also be as close and as simple, as quiet, and as slow-moving as a fig tree becoming tender, putting forth leaves, bearing fruit, whispering in your ear, and signaling that something better is on the way. Beware, keep alert, stay awake. It may be as close and as simple and as quiet as a meal from a church member, or a text from a friend, a prayer from your pastor, a drink with the buddy, that look in your child's eyes, a hand from your partner. And that's why I'm not staring up at the sky, 
looking behind the next cloud for a superhero to save the day. I'm trying to find this kind of hope, this presence, this nearness of God in the eyes and in the hearts of the people around me. And I'm trying to find it in the mirror more often too. Because these Advent days remind us that God comes in the shape of a person after all. Full of grace and truth. Never promising that there will be no pain or no suffering or no struggle and no hardship in our lives showing up precisely because there has been. There is. And there will be more of all of those things too much of the time. But there is beauty, too. And there is mercy in this mess. And there is love and hope. And there's plenty of reason to look for more of those things, to be more of those things, for ourselves, for each other, and for the sake of the world. Amen.